Welcome everyone to episode six, Transformative Thinking. I'm Garrett, once again, joined by Andy, and we are um, in the closing days of the academic semester. It has been a long semester. I think everyone has agreed. Um, it's been a long time since we started this podcast, and uh, this episode is, is coinciding with our um, 10th anniversary of the GLC, and so we'll speak more about that at the end of the episode, but this is a really special occasion for us at the GLC, and we have two very special guests today. With that, I'll turn it over to Andy to just to introduce them real quick, and then we'll get into the theory. Yeah, thanks so much, Garrett. Gosh, what a semester it has been, and one of the the defining characteristics of this whole semester has been change and adaptation. What I've loved about doing this podcast with you is the consistent commitment to learning. This is such a milestone for our organization celebrating our 10 years. And of course, we wanted to do a big celebration with everyone together, but of course, that's just not possible. So what we've done is, yeah, invite two members of the class of 2015 from Gettysburg. So they would have celebrated their five years during homecoming at the college. And so we wanted to at least check in with uh, these two alums. And um, it's Meg Royer and Mike DeCandia, who both served as leadership mentors. Really excited to hear a little bit about their reflections on their time at the GLC, but also how are they leading and learning uh, in their respective fields during this time? Yeah, so, so Andy, we're, we're gonna check in with them a little bit, but I think as a preface, it'd be great to have our framing questions. For this episode, they're really centered around encouraging students to not feel confined to a particular track of life without feeling the need to change. You know, we have moments in our lives or occurrences in our lives that happen outside of ourselves that fundamentally reshape how we view the world. And it's important we think of new ways to approach situations and consider the world. And Andy, this is something that's near and dear to you as you're writing your dissertation on this topic. Where does this theory come from, transformative learning theory? I mean, I've been really fascinated to, to explore the, these ideas of transformative learning. And I think it, it parallels so well to the liberal arts ethos at Gettysburg. And this uh, theory actually came out of the feminist movement back in uh, or a part of the feminist movement in the 1960s and 70s, there was an uh, education theorist by the name of Jack Mesereau who studied uh, women returning to college who had been absent from college for a number of years and tried to understand like how, how did their perspectives about life change with sort of this newfound opportunity of, of changing the way women saw themselves in society and, um, you know, sort of opened up their, their worldview. So what Mesereau found in his research was that in, in order to continuously learn and adapt to sort of the changing environments, you have to transform your worldview. You know, we, as, as humans, we seek to make meaning of our experience in life, right? That's kind of a, that, a human, a natural human trait is to, to try to make meaning. And we look at the world through what Mesereau called our, our meaning perspectives or our, basically our frame of reference. And if that frame of reference stays the same and you encounter an experience or a moment or a problem where you, you just, you, you can't break through and, and make sense of that particular moment in your current worldview, then you're not going to be the, the person that you want to be and, and solve the problem that you're solving. And so 
what Mesereau deduced from this, this research is that the key to learning and, and certainly I think this relates to leadership, Garrett, is to transform that worldview. And you, you know, he suggested you do that through reflection, through discussion, and working your way through a disorienting dilemma. And uh, you know, I think that that has sort of profound implications for student leaders today to say, well, maybe our worldviews, the way that we're looking at our college experience right now is not working for us. So how do we transform them and find find ways to to open up our worldview, look at things from a different lens, and uh, see see if that's going to help us navigate these uh, these tough times. So our first question today, thinking back to the time where you experimented with different roles and tried something new, what was that experience like, and what was the reward? So I'm Mike DeCandy. I graduated in 2015. I was a biology major. I'm now a PhD candidate at Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia in genetics and molecular biology. Back in undergrad, and especially during some of my duties as an LM, public speaking terrified me. You know, I had heart palpitations just thinking about having to speak publicly. I had many opportunities in all different programs I was involved in um, in the GLC to sort of forge the ability to speak publicly. Still wasn't all that great of it, but it gave me a lot of experience. And now, public speaking, 500,000 people, something that's nothing for me. I look forward to it. And, you know, with, without that experience at the GLC, I highly doubt that I'd be this sharp at it at this point. So I'm Meg Royer. I graduated class of 2015 and I was an organizational management major. And now I live in DC and I work at Deloitte doing um, federal government consulting for patient experience primarily, and then employee experience as well. I think in general, taking on a formal leadership role by becoming an LM was something new to me. So while in high school, maybe among peers, I, um, or on sports teams would sometimes take that role. I had never really like thought of myself as a leader or thought of how I could develop that. So I think going my, my freshman year and becoming, applying for an LM and taking those steps. I remember being really, really nervous for the in-person interview um, and that group dynamic. I remember the question still was a lifeboat question. We were asked, how would you handle this? And sitting there, not knowing any of these people, feeling very shy and just kind of taking a deep breath and being like, if this is what I want, I need to do it. And then diving in. And I feel like my journey as an LM never really stopped. So I constantly was just learning how to dive in and voice my opinion and gain confidence in myself and what I was sharing, but also learning to get feedback and to listen to my peers and not take things so personally and really starting to get a better sense of who I was. And I think taking that first step of like in that moment, being willing to share my ideas at the table with upperclassmen when I was my um, first year was really, really scary, but resulted in this amazing journey that I took as a leadership mentor that definitely shaped my college career, but also who I am today. Next question has to do with something Andy mentioned in his explanation that has to do with the disorienting dilemma. We've all experienced a pandemic and we know that's what that's like, but we also experience disorienting dilemmas, you know, on a smaller scale, on a more personal scale. So this next question is going to ask you in your Gettysburg experience in particular, when did you have a disorienting dilemma and how did you navigate out of that? And then what role did leadership play, if at all? So coming to Gettysburg, I knew I had wanted to rush a sorority. My sister was already at Gettysburg. I had an understanding of what I thought I wanted for myself there. Um, and I did rush and I did get the sorority that I wanted, but pretty 
quickly into the process. I realized it wasn't exactly what I thought of. There was kind of an eye-opening moment when we were in a leadership training. It always goes back to GLC, but where Dave Wright was talking about this idea that like you can sit by and let things happen or you can make a change. So just this feeling of like you have more control of what was around you was such an eye-opening experience and especially being somewhat shy, which no one would believe now, but somewhat shy person coming into college and getting told that like life doesn't have to just happen to you and you can really take control and understanding in that moment, like I didn't need to be part of a sorority that I wasn't fully aligned in with my values or what was happening around me, but I could either drop out or I could try to make a change. And in that time, I decided to run for Panhellenic president. And at that point I was a sophomore. So was a young Panhellenic president and I got it, but it was a very eye-opening experience into how to manage peers and how to shape culture, which I think is something that I still right now am very passionate about of how do you shape culture on something as small as a three-person team and as large as a college campus. And that was my first taste of that, but also that realization of like, we have control of these things around us and we don't need to have this culture of whatever it might be that might be causing a problem and that we have the ability to change those things. So I think that would be my, my big eye-opening experience. I remember this particular moment, Meg, and I think, you know, we've had some conversations after and I remember, you know, former athletic director Dave Wright coming in and facilitating a, I think it was a values-based mm-hmm. workshop, right? And could you just talk a little bit more about sort of where was your your head at coming into that workshop in, in relation to that, that topic and, and certainly your, your sorority experience. Like, is it, was that something you were thinking a lot about before that session? Yeah, I, I was definitely struggling, feeling like my personal values were not aligned with just my organization, but what I felt like grief Greek life at a whole represented at Gettysburg. It was important to me. I I loved the girls in my sorority and there were aspects of it like the community service and emphasis on education that were really important to me. So I was really struggling with this. Like Andy said, it was a hundred percent a values issue of I wanted to be there, but I wasn't happy with exactly how I felt or what was happening around me. Um, And Andy and I had talked about this, but hadn't quite identified like what those feelings were. And I was pretty close to dropping out of the pledge process. And that was a really scary thought. I had filled out applications to transfer because I didn't know, you know, what my social life would look like or anything. And then just Dave Wright saying like, you know, your values need to align with who you are, what you're doing, and those organizations you're a part of. And it was just such an eye-opening experience to me to make it something that I felt comfortable saying I was in this sorority at Gettysburg. So I don't think I had any singular um, moment. I think it was definitely a gradual process for me of incorporating emotional intelligence and self-reflection into a, uh, into a daily lifestyle. And I mean, this is really, I, you know, looking back and self-reflecting uh, on this, I think in college, it's with everything going on, multiple groups you're in and with all the, you know, class assignments that you might be dealing with. On top of all the, you know, the stress of the college lifestyle, sometimes I feel like it was really easy to not incorporate any of that into what I was doing. But a lot of the stuff that we worked on as LM, particularly in my long later years, was um, focused on emotional intelligence and development of a strong self-awareness. And there's many literature value-based um, thinking too. 
And I feel as I've moved on and come to the, the current point of where I am where, you know, critical reasoning rules the day, um, the ability to incorporate that style of thinking with um, a strong emotional sense of self-awareness of who I am, what I stand for, and who I'm an advocate for, or what groups I'm an advocate for. I feel like without without the training that I was that I participated in and I was able to learn from, I would definitely be at a disadvantage at this point. Can you share an example of sort of that combination of critical reasoning and, and emotional intelligence where that where you've experienced that as a, a, a yeah, med I mean, student? Yeah, there's plenty of pitfalls, like even just in grad school. And there's, you know, on the grind, there's so many ways you can just want to give up or drop out and things aren't going your way. Things aren't going right. Or you hear maybe some, but some terrible situations that, you know, some of your colleagues are in. Being able to recognize that you know who you are and you know what you um, sort of stand for and that there are options, you have options to assess a situation or even reach out for help. If you don't be so prideful that you can't reach out for help. With some of these uh, situations, if you don't have a strong sense of self-awareness, you can have a severe like emotional breakdown or inability to handle things in a more reasonable manner. So being able to both have the reasoning but the emotional intelligence at the same time is something that I'm extremely grateful for, um, which DLC obviously helped me <laughs> develop. So yeah, thinking back, and this can be either during your time at Gettysburg, it can be in high school, it can you know be since you graduated. When did you start to really realize that you were making independent decisions for yourself? And what advice would you give to current students? Be on the lookout for when that moment occurs or things that they can do to be prepared. It's okay not to have all the answers in undergrad because you won't. Life's going to throw you a whole mess of things as you move into adulthood post-graduation. If you can at least assemble some of the resources to begin to get a toolbox that'll help you become the type of leader that you want to be, that you want to see, never be too prideful to take criticism and incorporate it in a, um, a manner in which you grow in further your leadership capabilities. Take a chance and put yourself in uncomfortable situations because more likely than not, you're going to grow from it no matter what it is. And you'd be surprised how even just one day of a transformative experience can totally shape and change your mindset on something. I know it's uh, college is a difficult time, but if you really do put in the effort to better yourself, um, you know, in leadership style or mentally and just try to be the best person you can be. I think that you don't have to have all the answers when you graduate, but you'll definitely be set up to have a successful career and just, you know, as a human. I think that moment for me was probably when I decided to study abroad was the first taste of it. So I'm the youngest of four kids, have always been in my sister's shadow because I wanted to be. I was the kid that like never went to summer camp without going with a friend. I never did anything without someone else validating it in some way. And when I decided to study abroad, I, I ended up going to India, which is not um, a place, maybe one or two Gettysburg students usually go a year. So it's not a place that I knew people going. Um, I didn't have any family there or anything. And it was just something inside of me that I was like, I want to go to India. I'm going to make it happen. And I ended up meeting um, the head of the OMS department to like write off all my classes and saying they would count. And I put a lot of work into doing that. And it was pretty out of character for me, but it was sort of the first time that I was like, I want this and I'm going to make this happen. And my parents are wonderful. And 
I know when I was going to India, a lot of people were saying like, oh, I'd never let my kid go to India. But my parents were wonderful and knew that Gettysburg would never send me there if it was not safe. It was a great experience and I loved it. And I made friends that I still am friends with today. And it was just a really eye-opening experience of what doing something for yourself can do and how much clarity you can get from taking one small step for yourself and making that decision, um, how much more that opens and how much better you get to know yourself. You both talked about the experiences, the dilemmas, the things that you've learned in college have really been centered around your experience with the GLC. And I certainly can definitely say the same, that it has been a large part of my college trajectory and it's sort of defined my college experience and encouraging you to do different things. For the 10th anniversary and just for general reflections, what made you decide to join the GLC? And then since graduating, how have you seen what you've experienced in the GLC, either facilitating or things that you've learned? What has that been like in your, in your daily life at work or in, in continuous school? And what role has Andy Hughes and, and what he's taught all of us um, played in our lives after graduating? That's an easy one. So I think Andy gets these emails every once in a while, at least definitely from me, I'm sure from other LMs of saying like, we learned this in college and I'm now 28 and my 37 year old colleagues are still learning these things. And I came to Gettysburg because of the leadership program. And because, so when I joined, it was only three years old, I believe, maybe two. Um, So pretty early on. And I was only looking at schools that had a leadership program similar to GLC, but I really liked that GLC was young and I liked that it had room to be shaped, which is something I still enjoy being a consultant and thinking about transformations and thinking back some of the skills that I learned by working with the GLC was just this idea of feedback. And it's something that so many people struggle with um, at any age, but we were learning how to give and receive feedback from day one on our projects that we were turning around, on the way that we were conducting ourselves in meetings. We were expected to bring a level of professionalism while still maintaining close relationships. And I just think that that's something that's a buzzword. You hear people say feedback all the time, especially in the workforce, but it's not something that people are truthfully always open to or always good at giving. As you get older, people always want to be the expert. They always want to be the best. And I think GLC like instilled this continuous learning that someone's always going to be better. Someone's always going to know more, but that only enhances you and being open to that feedback and the collaboration and working with your peers to make whatever you're trying to develop the best it can be is a really, really valuable experience to learn at an age where you're not too proud to learn it. I got involved um, with the GLC when I um, decided to attend the Emerging Leaders Retreat just to sort of get an idea of what the GLC was about. It sounded interesting, but I really didn't know too much about the GLC. But after just that, you know, one day, I decided this is something I want to be a part of. So I applied and fortunately was able to join the team. And I think, like I mentioned before, the, the trajectory of the GLC in their learning principles set me set me on in particular was to be more self-aware and open to others put their feedback and their ideas and the way they see the world and incorporate into the way that I see the world because everyone's going to have different opinions on how things should be. The fact that I've been able to take initial steps to making myself more um, self-aware to put me in the current spot that I'm in is just a a testament to what the GLC was able to do. And now I'm in a position where I'm mentoring younger students and I get to see their growth based on my mentorship, teaching classes, getting to you know, watch, watch younger students, 
you know, I'm interested in what I have to talk about, but, you know, they have their own viewpoints too. And it's great to hear their discussions and where they're coming from. And eventually, you know, I want to run my own lab and um, being my own principal investigator and without the ability to, you know, have talks about feedback or how other people are feeling or, you know, hey, where are you, what's going on today? You know, being a good leader, I don't think I'll, I would be able to be, be successful in a, that position without um, the training I've had. There's sort of two things that the, the founder of this idea of transformative learning talks about as critical to transformation. Two things that you're going to groan when I say them, because we, we talk a lot about them in, uh, in, the, in your LM experience. One is reflection and two is dialogue. And I just wanted to get some, some of your perspective on those two things now. You know, we, we talked a lot about it. We would give you a, a journal every year and ask you to reflectively write. And, you know, I'm sure you did it exactly how I wanted you to. <laughs> but I, I, I'm just wondering how those two things have manifested in, in your lives today. Well, um, I would say that this reflection thing is something that right out of college, I immediately stopped doing it. <laughs> and uh, I think I had a moment probably like a year or a year and a half out where I was just feeling like life was going so fast and I wasn't processing the things that were happening around me. And I felt like I had stalled and I wasn't sure where I was going. Um, and I think it ultimately related back to my lack of reflection that I wasn't taking the time to slow down and add meaning to every day or my interactions that I was having with people. So I think I took for granted this time that you have in college and especially with the GLC, the time that you're given to reflect and encouraged to reflect and um, wish that I had figured out how to fit it into my adult life or post-college life a little bit quicker. But I think it's, important in every interaction you're having to think back onto, you know, I didn't, I don't know if that went the way I wanted it to go. So where was I wrong? And it's back to that point of feedback and not being too proud to admit your flaws. And like Mike has been saying, this self-awareness piece, and there's just no way to attain any kind of self-awareness without that time for reflection. And I think it ties exactly into dialogue. Like you want to like who you are. You want to like who you're engaging with and who you're forcing others to engage with by who you're putting out into the world. And it's really hard to do that without spending some true time looking at you and your actions and how you're feeling about the things around you so that you can continue to develop. Yeah, I agree with everything um, Meg just said. If you can't reflect, I don't know how you can grow as a person. And it's not always easy, especially when you're reflecting on something you screwed up or on something you wish went differently. But it's an absolutely critical uh, just aspect of, you know, <laughs> even just being a functioning adult, <laughs> that matter. <laughs> and it does play in a dialogue because you have to um, remember that not everyone's coming from the same mindset you have. Um, and they may take something you say or the language you're using completely differently than um, how you meant it. So you know, being aware enough to always have that in the back of your mind, I think it's pretty important too. Thank you, Megan, Mike, for joining us today. You know, it's always, it's really fun for me as a current LM to, to learn with what life was like back in, back in the olden days. It's a real pleasure to have you on today. And I, and I think this will definitely serve as a, as a nice memory for a lot of other LMs over the years. Um, Andy, any final thoughts as we celebrate um, our 10th anniversary and how the GLC has evolved and its origins and 
you know, what it is today. Yeah, I, of course, I'm beaming with pride, Garrett, after hearing Meg and Mike share their experiences and just how what they did in college has has really translated to their lives today and helped them navigate this uh, this this new world and and actually lead in their organizations and their communities. So of course I'm beaming with pride and I'm, I'm even more, more proud of, um, you know, what has stayed constant and that is the, the LM experience. You know, we continue to have a phenomenal group of dedicated young leaders who form the foundation of the GLC. And that has stayed true throughout our 10 years and certainly been so important for this year as well. Once again, thank you for tuning in. Uh, We look forward to being back with you January with more episodes. Thank you.